0: Growing with fishes.
1: Growing with fishes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. I'm Steve, your host uh, with Ponics, and this is the Growing With Fishes podcast. Today, we have uh, Josh Rutherford talking to us about the Regenerative Conference uh, and a whole bunch of other awesome things. We got the um, Aquaponic Conference this weekend and uh, all kinds of good stuff going on. So uh, we have some some cool things to announce about the conference today and and some other awesome stuff. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, How's it going there, Marty? Pretty good. How's it going? going well. Good to
2: see you both. Josh? Good to see you, too, man.
0: How you doing, going, Josh? Looks like you got a fancy light up uh, disco party rig over there.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. This is I've had this for a while now. This is my uh, Doctor Dabber.
0: Doctor Dabber
2: vaporizers that uh, you can smoke flour out of. So
0: nice. I got a Puffco, a new version of the Puffco, and it it actually has a party mode that you can put it on and it'll it'll do a dance and.
2: Yeah, mine, mine does too. I don't remember exactly how it works, but it does like a bunch of different light modes and has like yeah. a mode and yeah it's pretty crazy. But I, yeah, it's called the Doctor Dabber Switch, and uh, you can you can use it for dabs or for flower. And it's That's a, pretty sweet. Yeah, it's an induction bait. so it like right now it's totally cool, like not hot at all.
0: Oh okay.
2: And then when you turn it on. Heats up <laughs> a couple seconds and then it's good to go
0: that's nice you get the the, the rig off the side too it's kind of cool yeah
2: i like it it's been it's been good to me
1: and uh for those of you that are somehow listen to this show and are not yet aware which i find hard to believe but it might be possible um be sure to check out the second annual virtual Aquaponic Cannabis Conference this weekend. We have people from all over the world Canada, South Africa, Sweden, Switzerland, uh, and other countries that don't start with S, um, <laughs> uh, Colombia, um, uh, and, and all kinds of other places, Australia, um, uh, and all over the United States, uh, as well as London, uh, a guy from the UK as well. So um, uh, we're going to have a, a really awesome panel. Uh, of commercial growers on saturday we have a panel of home growers and craft growers on sunday um josh actually will be speaking with uh, on sunday as well our, our guest tonight uh, and um, if you didn't check out last year's you can also check that out as well and we have a whole playlist of uh, last year's pod um, conference and i think you guys will ch- uh, really enjoy as well if you happen to not check that out and um, but this year we have a, a really awesome lineup we have double the number of speakers of last year and um Uh, from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. each day this weekend. You can find amazing cannabis information for um, aquaponic and living soil growing. So definitely check that out. Uh, And then Marty and I also have the... uh, I forgot to pull this one up, so I do apologize. We also have our class um, over at uh, apmjclass.com. Oh, no, that didn't come up. Oh, now it's coming up uh, different. Um, but uh, you can check it out here. Um, there we go. Uh, we have a full lineup of, of classes. We actually taught an in-person class at Josh's farm as well. Um, so definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, he... Uh, we do all different types of different versions of the class, but um, we have uh, filmed a lot, a lot of the different portions of the class and put them up in different segments online. Uh, and broke broken down so you can take them by topic by topic at whatever time works for you, uh, and we have all different types of amazing content from uh Um, you know, farm tours to pest management guides, dosing guides, nutrient guides, all kinds of different topics, over 700 different slides and different talks on different things. So, um, and growing each month with two live sessions each each month as well. So definitely check that out. And um, if you uh, sign up, uh, even if you just go and sign up this weekend, um, uh, from uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we're gonna pick a winner from anyone that signs up with their email, and we're gonna be giving away an SK403 from Spectrum King, uh, a a free copy of the commercial aquaponics cannabis class and a full line of nutrients from truenutrients.com for up to 300 gallons of system. So if you have an IBC system, you'll have a nice 400 watt 403 light to set up for your cannabis plants. And uh, the nutrients and the education you need to get started in your growth. So uh, that'll be the prize. We'll be giving that away at the end of the conference on Sunday. Uh, and we'll be picking up uh, the, the entries from those who enter uh, their email through the sign up on ap420.com or apmjclass.com. Um, all you have to do is sign up for free, uh, it doesn't cost you a dime. You just have to put in your email. And uh, from there, we'll, we'll pick a winner. Hey right, Josh. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. I know you've had a lot of awesome, exciting announcements about your conference this week. You, you finally put your your uh, tickets on sale, and stuff. Why don't you tell
0: everybody what you've been up to? Because you've been a busy, busy bee. Um, not to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm I'm going to. That's what people do when they say that. Um, can I, how do you mind if I simulcast this on uh, Instagram?
2: Sure.
0: Cool. I already started. (laughs) Great. I have been the whole time. (laughs) Forced consent. No. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Yeah, so for the Instagram folks, I just, I thought I'd uh, pop you guys in on the conversation and and get some some more folks in, but thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm like a resident guest, maybe on the show. Yeah. Um, Panelist at this point. Residency. (laughs) Something like that.
2: I don't think we're keeping score but
0: it's definitely <laughs> up there. gosh. But yeah, uh, it's been a, it's been a busy couple weeks uh, dropping the 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 2022 conference re- regenerative organic cannabis cultivation conference. Um I actually had a little trouble with getting website stuff going I was hoping to launch it on the on the first ticket sales but we were, we are able to finally get it, get it going on the seventh, but it's, it's good because, uh, I've, 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 having website issues means I'm building out a better website rather than in the past I was relying on like event spray space and these other things that are really nice tools, but th- I, I can have a lot more control and, uh, in the system this way. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, I've been talking to, to folks in California all week, um, uh, and it's, this is the fourth conference. This will be the, 2022 will be the fourth conference uh, that I've done in Humboldt, um, which is pretty amazing and pretty cool. And, and, and um, yeah, I never, I never thought I would be doing something like that, but I'm v- very proud and very stoked to be a part of, of doing it. Um, So yeah, we got, we got a pretty good lineup. It's uh, we're going to be, you know, we got four tours on, this, on, the, on the four spots on the tour. We go to uh, Humboldt uh, the last weekend of January, uh, and we're in Garberville at the Richardson Grove RV Park. Um, everyone's staying at the historic Benbow Inn, which is pretty much like a, I described like a castle in the middle of the mountains in Northern California. <laughs> it's really cool. They're super cool to us. <clears throat> they're giving us 30% discount for everybody that, that comes and says they're part of the Regen Conference, which is really, really kind of them. Um and, and then the next stop is in Michigan at Grow Greens MI at their, uh, at their grow store, which is a really awesome, huge grow store in um, Whitmore Lake, Michigan. And that's the last weekend of February. And then we go on from there to uh, Portland, Maine, just north of Portland in Dresden uh, at Nature Summit, uh, which is a family farm, a really beautiful cannabis uh, and vegetable family farm um, we have a bar in there folks can camp on site we're going to bring in food trucks I think and uh, it's just going to be a really cool intimate experience um, and then the last stop is uh, to, be, to, to be determined uh, the exact venue but it'll be in Oklahoma City um, somewhere in that in the vicinity where where everyone's kind of been moving to where you're at Steve and I've been talking with you I've been talking with Brandon Russ. and I just I, I'm not feeling pressed to lock down the location right now I'm working on these other ones but um, it will be in Oklahoma City. There's lots available from what I've gathered from folks. To, it's not going to be a problem. So uh, I'm really stoked. Uh, we, we got some some folks that have been on tour before that are coming coming back, and some some folks that that started out that are coming back, um, which is really exciting. So Steve, you've been with us uh, every every step of the way. Except well, I guess you missed Humboldt in 2020 because you were in South Africa. Um
1: every year I've been in the US, I've been there.
0: Yeah, and um and Suzanne Wainwright Evans, the bug lady, she'll be there. Uh Chris Trump, uh Korean natural farmer, he'll be there. The soil steward on Instagram. Uh Kevin Jodry will be there on Sunday. Um and then uh will bring him back, uh Joshua Steenslin, uh, which I'm really excited about. He was there at the first, the very first conference in Portland. Um, which was prior to the Humboldt Conference. Uh, a lot of folks may not have known about that one, but the first one we did was in Portland, where I used to live, actually right right above the the bar where I used to hang out. And um, and he also the, a,
1: he was in Vancouver too, because I remember
0: him. Oh, that's Com- right, he was in Vancouver. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, right. Briefly, he was in Vancouver with us as well. So he we came back the, the next year. Um, <clears throat> and he's a, he's a like he's just a guy I totally respect. He, he just continues to dig deeper into, into the knowledge of cultivating, dig deeper into the soil food web. And, um, and, and he he's not a guy that I see taking something, uh, you know, just taking it for fact from, from what someone says. It's like, if, even if he's going to learn about it from a, from a or some, I see him going out and practicing and, and learning and, and working through the steps and, um, Man, uh, he, he's just a real smart dude that, that, that is really, um, I see him as a problem solver in the grow and, cut, and figure it out, you know, like a lot of different things. So he's got a lot to offer. He, he does mostly indoor cultivation, living soil cultivation. He's got a co-op over in Ohio. Iowa or Ohio, I might, I think it's Ohio. I'm gonna mess it up, my apologies. <laughs> I think it's Ohio Fire Factory is what it's called. Um, and then also joining us, uh, back again from that first Portland conference conference is, uh, Eric Brandstad of light depth solutions. Um, he is a, a brilliant guy when it comes to greenhouse design, um, and, and structure and the way that you can build a, build a greenhouse to optimize it for cannabis cultivation. Um, and he, he travels kind of all over the U S and California, um, teaching folks how to do that. And, and it's, and it's really interesting, uh folks take a lot of that stuff for granted. Um, I have, you know, folks contact me often and they'll, they'll, you know, I've got a bunch of dehumidifiers in my scene. Like, why isn't it dehumming? You know, why, why am I not able to to meet meet requirement? And and it's in design, you know, I, I talked to one guy who recently had his heater literally right in front of the exhaust. And, and the thought was, well, we don't, we don't exhaust heat in the winter. So why would it matter? I'm like, well, that's how you dehum the thing. And you have to have the heat traveling across, you know, across and I explained, he's it, like, Oh, you know, I just, they hadn't thought about it. And so there are simple steps in a way you can design. And that's kind of what Eric brings to the table. He's, he's been uh, building and designing and selling greenhouses for a long time. Uh, and specifically for light depth uh, cannabis, you know, full, full season, full four season. So uh, I'm really stoked to have him back. And um yeah we're gonna have um a breeders panel um going on on sunday i'm trying to remember all the stuff that's that's going on um there'll be um uh talk there'll be there'll be uh evening events i haven't exactly dialed in which what which person is going to be doing the evening events but they're gonna at the evening they kind of tend to be less uh lecture based and more um uh, personal. I don't know. More, more. You more, more connecting to the, to the emotion and the heart. I, I want to say, or the why. You know, of why we do this. And, and it's, it's kind of a, been, been a special time for these evening events. Um,
1: you have really good breakdown of the different panels of different really wise people. You've had a really good breeder panels in the evening. You've had really good um, panels by pure certified farmers breaking down the different methods that they're using. You had a bunch of really great talks in the evenings that were all kind of a little bit different on each of them.
0: Yeah, we try to do <clears throat> with the breeder thing. Um, I, I actually hit up Kevin Jodry pretty much before I knew him. And I was like, hey, man, I, I was so inspired by the thing, the, the breeder series he had done at, at the Wonderland nursery years ago. And I was like, I kind of want to just mimic that, you know, but do it in each region. And, and so that's kind of what we, what we do is we bring in uh, like, when we go to Michigan, we'll bring in a bunch of breeders um, from that area so that when farmers come to get, they can get together with the, with the um, breeders and, and connect. And it's actually been really beautiful. Like there's been, you know, There's the seed exchange, the seed swap that happens on Sunday. Kind of happens all at the same time, you know. So everyone's like really excited. They're sharing sharing genes and and sharing cuts and 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 making future connections, you know. And and people start little businesses and and do sorts of all sorts of trading. And it's it's pretty pretty dang cool.
1: I know I got a whole bunch of seeds ready for this year's seed swap. I got a whole bunch of blue hash seeds that we saved specifically for that and a bunch of other stuff that we set aside for it. So super excited. I'm hopefully going to have some Zimbabwe stuff uh, ready for that. If not, uh, I'll get some emails from people to send out when it's done.
2: That's what I hear from the, the people that I know that have been to the conference that everyone talks about is the the seed swap. Being worth it even if you don't get anything else out of any of the speakers that just going to the seed swap uh especially for you know local outdoor growers um you know it's it provides a ton of value i mean it's
1: uh, I, w- I wanted to also welcome.
0: it's not necessarily uh, sorry go ahead
1: i wanted to also welcome brendan rust just joined us thanks for joining us Brendan. Uh, he's giving a talk tomorrow at, at a conference here in oklahoma city
3: yeah hey thanks for having me on um yeah, it's going to be kind of cool. It's going to be uh, the Cox Arena in Oklahoma City. I'm going to be talking about the target nutritional levels for cannabis and maintaining sufficiency and balance in living soil systems. Uh, so like a big two-day like cannabis expo. Uh, it's pretty big, pretty cool, fun stuff. Get to see lots of people in the community there and nerd out on weed stuff.
1: Oh yeah, I hope hope to be there uh, with a friend of mine, uh, uh, checking it out tomorrow. So uh, uh, definitely uh, excited to hear your talk. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Josh. I just wanted to, to, to welcome him. It's all
0: cool.
1: So uh, uh, you also had uh, Ed Rosenthal pop by your farm today, right, Brendan?
0: uh
3: yesterday yeah he came by um he we, he stopped by for a little bit with nordy he's one of the people that are putting on the convention he went on a like little tour of a couple different farms out here in oklahoma he went to tim delaney which is one of the ogs from northern california that's out here um, and then i think he went by a carter creek cannabis which is uh slim and uh, Jinx's farm.
2: Cool.
1: Awesome. I guess you got a kitty there in the background, too. Yeah.
3: Animals around here are pretty loud.
1: Also, I did think it was funny. Uh, I met Brendan uh, uh, over in Oklahoma City the other day, and it turns out the owner of that restaurant is going to be a panelist on uh, our conference this weekend. So I thought that was really small world. <laughs>
3: Really? At Caillou Days?
1: Yeah, uh, Fun Farm Grows uh, is one of the owners. He's going to be on the panel.
3: Yeah, it's a really awesome restaurant right there, all fish and Grateful Dead themed, and they have great food.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. uh, Yeah, definitely a sweet spot. We'll have to take Josh when he comes to town.
3: Yeah. When are you going to be? When's the uh, Oklahoma Regenerative Conference, Josh?
0: I'm not taking a dab here. Um, <laughs> it's the last weekend of um, April. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I was just saying before you popped on, I haven't locked the location down, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working out the details for the other ones, but I'm, I'm pretty confident having uh, chatted with you and Steve and a couple other folks uh, that there's, there's plenty of options available. And um, and a fucking epic crew like i i'm actually really fucking i you know i've never been to oklahoma i never would have imagined like you know i don't know anyone from oklahoma i guess and you know what i mean there's nothing drawing me there but like now that there's all these all these friends have moved down there to grow weed uh, i'm pretty stoked to come check it out and see what you guys been doing like seems like an epicenter of just hard work and and getting it getting after it you know trying to like kind of like kind of reminds me of the gold rush. Like people move into, move into a place, trying to, you know, get their wares and figure that, you know, imagine exactly. you guys are all just yeah, like yeah. dirty fucking Wookville, just like no showers for 30 days at a time.
2: It's like, a, it's like adapting, right. I've, I've heard people say that it Oklahoma had to do it because there's just nothing else cool about Oklahoma. And they just, they need something for, for people to want to live there. So <clears throat> it's interesting that, uh, <clears throat> that they can sort of be like this uh i don't know it's like right in the middle of all this conservative area when it comes to cannabis you know like it just they just were like you know what it's <laughs> because the, yeah,
3: the people come together out here <clears throat> pretty like there's like strong community ties i think it has a lot to do with the weather um because <clears throat> the weather is very unstable at some points and like whole communities will come together to like lift people up that have been devastated by storms and stuff like that. And so I think that kind of mentality of coming together really plays heavily into the cannabis community out here. Not only that, but we have like, you know, we had a large amount of people that were f- local from here starting businesses and because license um, was licensing was open a lot of like legacy farmers moved out here a lot of people that have been doing this for a really long time came out here and so that added more like legitimacy to the cultivation scene as far as like you know really skilled cultivators and being able to have that kind of that thing that you know like that I had back in San Diego or that a lot of people experience in northern California where there's a heavy community people are trading genetics they have their own kind of like hype markets and, you know, all that stuff. It just, it's all here.
2: Right. And, and I think partially because it's such an open market, right. I mean, it did, you know, like you were saying, they kind of had an open licensing, um, you know, and having I would say fewer regulations than most uh, recreational markets and, and medical markets also, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point, but, You know, having a a more open and free market, I feel like, draws people. That you know, I know specifically some people that that got frustrated trying to get set up in other states, and got fed up with it and just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to Oklahoma." I know, I personally know two people that just packed up all their shit. Well, I guess three if you count Steve. (laughs) I wasn't counting him, but yeah, I mean, it's that um, a roommate too. Yeah.
3: A lot of people, but it's not just cannabis that that, um, that businesses that boom. It's all the ancillary businesses. Everybody uh, is impacted by the economic growth out here because if you own a construction company or heating and air or if you're a realtor or anything, all of those businesses that are associated with build outs and the construction and the maintenance, all of those people are profiting too. And the thing mm-hmm. is... All these people are like small family farms. And so the money stays in Oklahoma, right? When people are profitable, they're going out and they're eating at local restaurants. They're spending money at the local in the local local economy itself. So not only just the businesses that are ancillary to cannabis, but like independent businesses in general boom too, because there's more, there's more finance being distributed amongst the people.
1: In addition to that, you had a kind of a collapse of the oil industry, which was kind of bringing some poverty to Oklahoma. And and now all those people that were working with pipe fittings and, and gas stuff and stuff are all working in the extraction industry. It really has helped a lot of the people that were suffering from the declining oil industry have really good paying jobs and it's something that they already have a decent amount of skill and knowledge with as well, you know, uh, uh, not just on the extraction side, but also on the cultivation side. So you're saying the plumbing, the, the infrastructure workers really, it has kind of helped directly make up for the, the failings of the, the uh, you know,
0: fossil fuel industry uh, in terms of income. Um, both you dudes have been there for like over a year, couple of years, probably are you um i mean i know that people have a lot more people have flooded in post post you guys i'm a resident Uh,
3: as of next week i can hold my own license
0: nice dude um in washington we started out like with 300 retail stores and 1200 growers licensed you know rec, rec growers and now we're down to about 600 rec growers and 500 stores so the the odds have gotten a little bit better but just like everywhere else uh when COVID hit you know this is just like you know everyone's like oh there's a need for weed and everyone starts growing weed and then there's too much weed right um so I guess where I'm getting to is like are you are you seeing that are you worried about that or or like what are your thoughts on like the all the weed that's going to be you know that's coming or is there
3: It depends on your skill set, right? Because not everybody can grow fucking good weed. Right, 100%. You know, the mids mids market, yeah, fuck yeah, that's fucked up. Or the lows, you know, how many people fucking busted out huge-ass outdoors? And how many people are turning that into rosin, right? So you have all this, like, lower grade. I'm not saying that it's lower grade, but when you're doing acreage and you're processing acreage into something that, like, that's usually – reserved for like the highest quality like indoor boutique flower you know what i mean it it kind of fucks up those markets because the consumer can't tell the difference between something that was washed from like high quality boutique indoor and some mass-produced fucking outdoor you know what i mean the consumer is the one who gets the 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 kind of the shit into the stick on that because it comes down to education and here's the thing a lot of these dis- dispensary owners they might be saying oh we're all about community and getting the highest quality product but when it comes down to it they're all about numbers and
0: their bottom line you know what i mean so what do you see in like let's follow that that thought just out of curiosity uh, like what do you see in uh, an outdoor you know grandma rosin go for you know that it's like uh, a minus quality you know a- b plus
3: you know, see, I don't go and purchase, but I see like real high quality rosin. I see forty dollars a gram right now. And but you know, the higher quality stuff is usually like 60, 65, 70.
0: That's you about know, where we are. Are you We're talking about 75, 85?
3: Retail, yeah. Retail. Yeah, retail.
0: Oh, okay.
1: You still see some stuff once in a while for 80, 90 bucks, 110 bucks a gram, but not much anymore.
3: Not, not typically. I don't think that the, you have to remember dispensary owners are like middlemen, right? Like we're farmers like myself, I would usually like sell my, my packs or whatever back in the traditional market back in the day, you know, like to fucking my customers. And I get, you know, it's like most people now are basically selling them to the dispos or distributors. They're not going directly to the patient. Right. So they're a large percent of their mark. Their profit is you know, some going to somebody else. Cause that's what a dispensary is, is it's basically a middleman. You know what I mean? And middleman's always markup prices. So here's the, the thing too, that I noticed like if a consumer is like, Oh, why the fuck is all the good weed like too expensive, blah, blah. Most of the times, like farms like myself, we're given really good prices to, uh, distributors into dispensaries. So whatever they decide they want to mark up, that's their prerogative. And I can't really be like, Hey, you need to sell this fucking cheaper so that, you know what I mean? I mean, I can say, I can suggest things like, Hey, we can help drive business. We can help drive traffic through social media if you offer deals and stuff like that. But what it really comes down to it is the dispensary owners that are picking up product off of, uh, out of the market. They're the ones that are really responsible right because if they're in if they're just buying fucking booth packs fucking outdoor packs or fucking just weed because it's cheap and then and then you have people you know that's i mean that's the majority of the market right now unless you're talking about high-end shops that are legitimately looking at the farmer you know looking at the people who are producing the products you know those people are still getting like the like the people that are indoor farmers that i work with they're still getting 24 to 2600 dollars a pound you know what i mean so it's just it's all over the it's all over the place out here it just depends on you know where your distribution channels lie how strong is your marketing potential and you know how good is the weed that you grow do you
2: think that um that part of it with because like the consumer not knowing I feel like is maybe an unrealistic expectation especially when you like 99.9 percent of the places that you can buy it you can't even smoke it um so is it like I mean in like in the store like you can't try it before you buy it you know like you have to look at weed or rosin or extract and um like I know that you're supposed to have bud tenders there to help but I mean, I don't go into dispensary very often, but I don't. I can't think of a single time in which I felt like the bud tender was helpful or knowledgeable about, you know, like really finding anything, you know, like I I can read the sign where it says Indica, but he, you know, like,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, not really, uh, you know, like not really the point. So I, not really a thing. <laughs> I just feel like there's a disconnect there. Like, I don't know that it's reasonable to expect an end user to be able to look at medicine and be like oh yeah this is a good one make a purchase and and go home and be happy with the product like uh, i mean and maybe that's just you know coming from my experience i used to be a a medical grower directly for patients you know kind of like what you were just talking about the, the difference being in that you know like you could just give people samples and they would be like oh this one works great for whatever it is they need it for you know, th- this is what I want. And especially when you were working with patients over, over years, because you you could just, you could do that in Oregon back before recreational, uh, you know, you could make exchanges like that. So you kind of miss that, like, uh, um, ability to get any sort of feedback as, as a grower about what you're growing and what they want and how it works for them. Um, you know, when it just goes to a dispensary, like you're talking about, I feel like there's a there's like a, a big disconnect, and that that's sad because in Oregon, you used to be able to, you know, we used to be able to have that experience of getting patients their meds completely for free, and being able to sell the excess directly to the dispensary, and and cover all of our costs, and in, in, in that way, and have it all be above board. You know, we had about six years or so that we could do that before it all got messed up, and uh, um, it would be nice to be able to go to go back to that. And so I think that. Part of part of what we deal with in dispensaries is, is that you you the end user can't consume anything at all in, uh, you know, they have to buy a small sample and come back for it and who knows if it's there or not. But I just think it's messed up that you can't go to a dispensary and try out, uh, you know, a particular sample if you want to even if you have to pay for it, you know, like uh, it just seems really weird that um, you, you but- really Way other than like buying a sample taking it home and coming back later for another pound of plastic
1: <laughs> well it'd be nice if you could get flights in the way that you'd get flights of beer if i could go to the dispensary and get like a quarter gram half a gram or even a gram of a bunch of different strains just enough to roll a J or two with or a couple of bowl packs uh one or two bowl packs and just so i understood what the fuck or even something that like spelled out what the differences are um for people so like hey you don't know you if you're new a cannabis patient and you come to a dispensary i can't think of one of the better upsells for someone who just came in than having a a a nice pack that gives people a range of different types of cultivars so they can understand what's going to work for them medically and be like here you know what you you don't know what works for you i don't know either but you can buy this pack of four or eight strains that have radically different uh chemovar profiles figure out what's helping you with your stuff. And then from there, we can start working on on what types of cultivars that we can help you. That would be an amazing thing for people to have at dispensaries. I think that one of the things that,
3: you know, as all of us being educators, cannabis consumers for its medicinal aspect, I think sometimes we also forget that some people simply don't even give a shit, right? There's new people that come online, new smokers all the time. And I forget and if your customers are island boy, then I mean, how do you market? <laughs> you mean they're gonna they're they're basically gonna go in there and find something that they've heard a rapper rap about. And a lot of times, you can like if you want to be really profitable and successful, what's really interesting is you can go to a site like Leaflink and see like what the most popular shit is. Right, probably some cookie shit or some gelato cross or, you know what I mean. And and if there's like a gap where you know that you know gelato crossed with this or whatever is, was super popular but none of the farms are cultivating it and you know that and then you can go in and oh I'm going to grow a bunch of this cuz you know that shit's going to sell like some stuff just sells just because of the name associated with it and looking at and you in looking at it from that aspect I mean, some people don't even care about indica, sativa, anything. They're just like, "Oh, I heard about this stuff, blah, blah blah." The rappers are all singing about it. I want that fucking purple weed, you know? And it's like, and when it comes to market and it comes to like sales, I mean, dispensary owners are not gonna like turn somebody down, and you know, you know what I mean? It's just like there's different. We have like so many different consumers. So being able to try to fit all of those consumers into one category, it's not, it's not really feasible, you know? So you, it's, man, it's, it's a weird way that it's a weird state that cannabis is in, you know, because, because of all those different factors, all the different things that are involved, you know, marketing and, or education, some people care, some people don't care, you know, like it's just hard
0: and the more people that get to grow at home, you know, just totally just average people I, as that just starts to become a thing, I think that that's really gonna, <clears throat> you know, help separate a lot of stuff, you know, like th- there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people that be like, Oh man, well, you know, there's a lot of people that are already that just, just grow what they need for the year, you know, a couple, two, three plants, four plants, whatever it is. Um, and that's it, you know, and, and they're fucking happy, and they maybe get a little bit like, you know, I have my neighbors and stuff that like they'll come over and get asked for a cut, you know, or maybe and they'll bring me back seeds and stuff. And um, I think that's really going to be just uh, once that kind of kicks in, that'll be it'll be nice because it'll put a big distinguisher in the game. You know, people won't be like certain people won't be chasing after that shit. Yeah, we'll still always have hype, hype shit, but um,
3: I think that. Home grow was great too because the basis of so much of the community, but also when when um somebody is having a successful harvest and stuff and like they've got maybe a little bit of extra, you know, that they shared with their friend, maybe they got a little extra money in their pocket, those people are more likely to go and be like see what other people are doing too and be like, Oh, I'm gonna go down to this shop because I heard so and so's just doing a new rosin drop or so and so's just about to drop this flower and it gives them the, the financial ability to go try some shit that they want to where maybe they wouldn't have been able to before you know because that brings that homegrown thing dude man it brings money to people's pockets like and i'm all for it man trade medicine small dude doing small amounts of like selling fucking a, an ounce to your fucking neighbor man that shit shouldn't be illegal at all i mean shouldn't be taxed it should just be totally free market enterprise in my opinion you know because when it comes down to it that 300 bucks or that 200 bucks that he made whatever that's going to go back into the economy anyway you know it's not like i don't know i just see it as kind of ridiculous the way some of the laws are all written out but i mean it's what we're dealing with right now
2: well it's little that's actually a little understated too because uh you know the in small market economies like that it'll it'll like you were saying earlier, it'll turn over inside of the town itself. So, you know, when somebody goes to the local grocery market and spends that same $5, then the person who owns the local grocery store still lives in the community and they go back to another uh, gas station that's owned locally. And that, so that same $5 gets turned over. They economists say six times. So if you, instead of spending money at like Walmart, where, you know, Basically, most of that money gets exported outside of the community, uh, free enterprise local markets like selling uh, weed to your neighbor uh, generally benefit the local economy far more than uh, than any sort of, of corporate sales, whether you're talking about cannabis or toilet paper or the groceries or anything. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you that it's ridiculous that you can't just sell your weed at the farmer's market. And um, it, it would be a huge benefit to <clears throat> to small farmers that you have seen really impacted by legislation. You know, you're somebody was talking earlier about you know only growing you know five or six plants and being good for the year. There's a number of of growers that that used to participate in the medical market that only do that now simply because they they have have no legal place to compete uh, in, in Oregon's current market. So it's, uh, it would be a huge boost if we could, uh, get just, uh, you know, like even, even under a certain amount of sales per year, like we do for basically every other, uh, crop that you can take to a farmer's market. Um, it it really can fit inside of agricultural regulations that we already have. And that would be great.
1: So uh, what other speakers do you have? Uh, I know you, you've got a lot of cool stuff that you've been working on there, Josh, uh, for the conference. Any other uh, interesting talks or other things you want to mention on the conference?
0: Um, I guess, uh, the, um, you know, there's, I have, there's a couple more speakers yet to come um, that I'm still working to lock down. But the, the one thing that I'll mention is the theme for the year is uh, water just water um not just water i mean water water's pretty uh, it's the thing uh you know it's it's a huge thing and, and it's it's uh, becoming a very big on-demand thing i know a lot of us have been talking about it and, and we we farm and it's it's a theme within our community that we, we farm with water conservation and we do things to sequester water and carbon and 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 whatnot but um I just really want to turn up the awareness and turn up the the conviction, because I think that it's going to become a lot more pressing uh, as, as we just, I mean, every year, since I can remember, you know, it's, it's feels like there's just extremes and they're getting worse and worse, you know, right now we're, we're getting floods. It's just been flooding for the last three months, two three, two months, not three months, but two months. We've just been, you know, we get a lot of rain here. So like, I'm used to rain, uh, but but we get we're getting a lot, like an inch a day. You know, where we usually get a drizzle. You know, like very little amounts of rain. Um, we we probably reached three quarters of our our usual rainfall in the last two months. Um, you're probably getting the same thing down there, Fumi. Yeah,
4: yeah, pretty much constant level rain. Yeah. Like, for example, I want to go out and take like, I mean, this is not weed related, but I want to go out and take like foliage shots, like autumn shots. This is pouring rain like pretty much every day. So just, I look at the weather and I'm like, oh, sad panda. But yeah. So luckily I don't grow outside because otherwise I'd be an even sadder, sadder panda. Anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. If you were still outside, it would be, it would
4: be a sad, sad person. <laughs> it would be miserable, man. Yeah. Yeah. Rot and misery and PM and,
2: if you've nice. never harvested giant outdoor plants in the rain, let me tell that you.
4: too, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be soaking wet, cold, oh. Oh, miserable. We'll it. It's hey. it's dark now, like it's like basically always dark now. So,
2: right. Hey, Josh, are you gonna have anybody at the conference that might be able to explain to me like what some of these weird names are? <laughs> <What> <laughs>
0: I, are? I don't know. I, can, I can't read Coke that. Coke liquor. What? What? Coke liquor.
2: Coke liquor. Dosey it liquor? happens. Celebrity foul mouth. I mean.
0: Hollywood, pure kush. Uh, okay. All right. Pro- I can, I can, I can break them all down for you. At uh, least,
2: at least these
1: are all names you could say with a straight face to a 70 year old woman. Like some of the shit that people name this shit it like, it's something that I really run into because, because Brendan knows this a lot from working in Oklahoma, like over half the market here in Oklahoma is so over the age of 55. It's predominantly a, a more, you know, it, it skews towards people that are older. Um, so you know, people forget that when they're naming stuff like cokehead, slut, and like
2: you know, like well, yeah, I mean, coke how, how am I supposed LSD to plan like, with my son? Like I'll be like, yeah, son, go plant this coke liquor over there.
0: You explain to him it's it's simple, <laughs> son. The the um, the mother was cocaine hippos. I <laughs> mean, me me, what are man. cocaine hippos? Well, there's a guy named Pablo Escobar, and you, <laughs> you got to get education. A <laughs>
2: <laughs> no so no seriously though what's up with these I'm, I'm curious as to uh what what lineage they might be in. you can send it to me later I would no no
0: no that. so the, I, it's fun to talk about so the coke liquor is cocaine hippos um which is <clears throat> um and um, the uh, father is a licorice lime which is a lime vine testarosa lime vine f2 um testarosa being a magnum opus or royal kush Uh, across skittles so it's got skittles royal kush um, and the um the 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 cocaine hippos is is a girl scout cookies uh chem d essentially so it's it's got it's a slew of fucking you know same thing with the celebrity foul mouth that's a hollywood pure kush um with uh Shoot, I've been putting out so much stuff. What's the other cross on that? I think that's the lime bind as well. The licorice lime is well on that one. I often look look back on it, but if you send me them all, I can I can hit you I up with them all.
2: The the last one was
0: dosy liquor, dosy liquor. So dosy dough crossed licorice lime. I think I sent you all the same male. Is probably what I did. Nice with the separate females. Um, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So I, the, the, the the and the the Hollywood PK one the the that one's coming out really just at rank and the, the Hollywood Pure Kush I don't know if you've ran that one it has a funk to it um, that I that at least when you cross into it that comes out pretty much every time that I really really like cool yeah
2: well I look for him in the greenhouse here in a few months
0: awesome man I look forward to seeing your your shots how's your um your going your setup your I, yeah, it's I feel been. Like I haven't uh, seen any photos for a minute.
2: Yeah, I have. Um, you know, obviously, I got a little distracted um, with my father's services and stuff. And then we had some foul ups with uh, shipping. So, like some of my blackout and light depth equipment is probably sitting in a shipping container <laughs> somewhere. Um, so, th- that's been difficult to be able to get that done. So, I don't have any of the light depth stuff done, but we did finish um getting the pump hooked up the new pump hooked up which has more power just because i wanted um it was challenging like i had to get everything just right to get all the siphons to kick off so i didn't quite have enough flow to have it set up the way i wanted to and i didn't really feel like messing with siphons or anything like that so i went ahead and just bought a bigger pump and hooked it up um so uh that's uh, all done now and um so yeah other than that it's pretty much just like tweaking stuff i'm cutting some lumber to go go over the top in between the beds um and then uh, i just gotta get uh some plants selected to go in there and get them transplanted i have just a couple of moms in there that i threw in there a while ago to flower out just to get the system running and i have seeded my greens in uh in those beds so the last the media finally showed up this last week. So we got the finally got the hydrogen in um to uh the top of all the beds. So the the next group of pictures will be out once I get everything loaded up with plants. Um so yeah, that's kind of where that's at. So we'll I'll do an update uh uh on the conference this weekend. So part of that will be on the um greenhouse automation that I have set up with like smart plugs and fans and cool stuff like that. So um, so yeah, there's still a couple of things. The light depth equipment and my exhaust fan is still yet to show up. So hopefully our shipping stuff gets worked out soon. Oh yeah, so that's kind of the, so the the plastic is on now. So the, the clear is on and set up and the um, we are just getting ready to do the roll-up sides and the hydrogens on top. And we do have like I said, we have a couple of plants uh in the system now, but that's that's pretty much it. It's all designed to be uh you know kind of one tank over the top um, so all the plumbing just runs inside the tank itself, all the overflows for all the beds if something does get clogged up, just go right back down into the tank so it's all designed to you know just be kind of a larger version of my indoor um with different sized beds oh yeah and so since this picture we also did all the electrical and hooked those up <laughs> so right right here uh the no those are the so that's an input that's not done yet so that's all the input is just coming up from the you can kind of see i i can't move the mouse but you can see the input line going up the middle there and then each one just shoots up a T to each bed flows <laughs> out of the pump there so I, I have a totally different pump now, which I'll we'll have pictures of that. And so on the right hand side now, there's a little pump house set up with a larger pump to go through there. But there you can see the U siphon on the or loop siphon or whatever you call it on the right, and the, that's the water input there. You can see coming up from the from the bottom, <laughs> and so each bed fills and drains independently on its own. Um, and the now the hydrogen is on top so it would come up to the top of the bed you'd see up there you can see where the overflow is cut there where that piece of uh thing is just sitting in the groove there that's uh, mm. that eventually gets tied down to be the overflow so if a bed does get clogged up for any particular reason um it'll just overflow back down into the tank and not make a mess so and between the beds will be covered eventually. So um, I'm designing it so that uh, we can flip them over. So there'll be a kind of a lid that'll go between each one and one side will be white and one side will be black. So we can flip it over depending on what time of year it is. So if we want heat in the winter time, we'll, we'll flip the black one over and if we want to reflect light in the summertime, we'll put the white up. Um, so uh working on those those will probably won't be done by this weekend but that's what we'll do eventually and yeah so that's kind of the the overall design each one just floods and drains back down into the bottom the tank is sloped from one end of the to the other so underneath i don't know steve you can go back um to where you can see it goes the tank goes out to a larger portion yeah right there (coughs) Go back to the larger picture. That's going to play a video in a second, I think.
0: So yeah, you can see so the fish run. The fish run the whole length of the system? Yeah, so yep. it
2: goes underground, or not underground. Well, I mean, I guess sort of underneath the end wall of the greenhouse. So where I'm standing right now is outside of the greenhouse and it's just a shaded area. So it's right. like a carport. Um, so that's kind of where the, the tanks will go. Eventually, I'll probably put in a filtration, but the fish swim all the way up and down uh, from one end to the other, and it's slow. So this far end that we're walking out to now is only about a foot deep. So any change in water level happens all the way down at just the one end and the, where the fish hang out most of the time down by the pump stays pretty much the same water height. Uh, it varies very little because there's so much surface area. <clears throat> so you don't get very much... Uh, Variation in water. It holds about uh, 550 gallons or so, depending on how full it is. Um, total water volume. So this is just—I so just mean—so clean. All the bees drinking
1: uh, from his system right here. It was one of the things I noticed in San Diego, and I'm sure Brandon noticed this watering his plants too. The bees love to come drink from your plants as soon as they, uh, as soon as you water them
2: yeah we get we get bees and <clears throat> all kinds of different types of you know pollinators I would say coming in to, to check it out uh, for sure and we have systems in the front yard and we have another small greenhouse system that we in a, the front yard had had a lot of decorative flowers and bulbs and stuff that come back every year from the the very nice lady that lived here before had a beautiful yard did a great job so we get we get tons of beneficial insects back every year which is which is great but yeah did you
0: insulate underneath the the trough if you will um i did the, not the you did not no.
2: the only thing that's under there is about um three layers of landscape fabric just to give it a little bit of cushion cuz it is pretty much solid rock um i was a little concerned about some of the edges we actually Instead of having of digging it out by hand, we had somebody come in with an excavator just because it was um, it was just brutal trying to dig uh, in it by hand. So we brought a little excavator in, and he dug the whole thing in like forty five minutes. So it was it's pretty pretty cool.
0: We were um, someone had had asked about on one of the, the one of the Facebook groups about insulating. Or reinforcing and/or reinforcing an IBC tank, and both Steve and I were commenting on it. And uh, I was just just thinking that re- that's the reason I asked. Is but you know when I had I had I had recommended insulating an IBC tank, and it was because i of my experience in Minnesota, which has a very deep frost line down to six feet. Um, you know, so I actually. Uh, it, i I had done my ibcs without insulating them and i just couldn't get get up to temp and so i finally pulled them out pulled them out insulated them dropped them back in and and was able to get everything up to temp no problem and and um but you're you're in a warmer climate so you probably won't have any issues
2: (laughs) yeah and i i would prefer to go a little bit deeper underground but again because it was such solid rock um and in the location of of this particular greenhouse, I didn't want to go much deeper. Um, so, I you would get a little bit better, obviously. Um, thermal insulation. If you could go deeper, you know, generally, you know, four to six feet will give you a pretty consistent temperature, at least in more moderate climates like I'm at here. And I'm only two feet at the deepest, so um, I don't I don't plan on it. Being a problem, I think it'll still be enough to be able to regulate the temperature. Um, for the, For the most part, uh, I may have to throw a heater in there on the in the coldest days, um, but I don't even run a heater in there right now. And I could probably get away. Um, I I'm going to try and get away with just a passive, like solar water heater, um, on a timer. So we'll we'll see how that works. But I have a. I have a design I've been working on for um, uh, being able to do it as part of my automated system uh, to be able to run the water heater, solar water heater when necessary. So that's uh, probably, you know, three or four projects away at this point, but uh, it's definitely on, on the back burner. But I could just throw a regular tank heater in the deep part, and I feel like I'll have enough insulation, especially being mostly or 100% covered uh, from end to end, because it'll either be, you know, the space between the media beds will be covered other than a very small amount. uh, And then also the cover um, going underneath the greenhouse to the other side will all be completely covered and um, sturdy enough to walk on. So there'll be a door uh, where we were looking through there. So you would step up on top of the tank and open the door in order to get in. And then there'll also be a door to open up to where you can access the fish and the pump and stuff like that. So uh, so we'll tour. Most of that stuff will be done. We're building the door, um, uh, the flip-up door to access the fish. Uh, that may or may not be done. But the little pump house that we created for the new pump is already in. And that door uh, is already in as well. and our both doors are already in. So we'll get to see uh, all that, the electrical, electrical. Um, the not the exhaust fan, but just the smart-controlled um, circulation fans are in, so we'll we'll be able to check those out. Uh, the soil temperature and humidity sensor, um, all kinds of fun toys we'll check out this weekend. Sunday, right, Steve? Are you moving to Sunday?
1: Yeah, you're the you're the closing talk on Sunday. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah, I'll put everyone to sleep.
1: That'll be great. Yeah, and then <laughs> after your talk, we're gonna do the drawing for the. Uh, the grand giveaway so it'll
0: be fun um dude so, I, uh, I fucking love that design So I, you want to go on but i just think it's such a, a, a easy design that people could incorporate into any backyard um out like for seasonal aquaponics you know that they could turn you know grow grow plants in this in the summer or whatever it's i don't know i really like it man it's it's simple and it's efficient and it's not super elaborate And turn i mean it sounds like i'm not gonna but i'm not i think it's really brilliant you know in that in that no
2: that's really exactly you know what i wanted to you know design it to be was something that's not necessarily like super elaborate or um you know really unattainable by by small small grows like um medical grows in oregon you know up to about 48 plants i feel like you can scale this up to that pretty easily just by making the greenhouse longer um so you know that's kind of the the idea behind it is um that you know a, a small scale, you know say tier one two tier recreational grow uh could scale that out pretty pretty easily and be able to uh, maintain a lot of plants So i feel like people don't or people underestimate how much time they spend like watering plants whether you're doing it by hand or managing an irrigation system or whatever and so you know when i tell people you know like i really only water plants twice in their entire life and they're like what I'm like, yeah, you know when we transplant them from clone or seedling into a doorro zone pot and then we put them in an aquaponic system, they really only need to be watered twice, sometimes only once, sometimes not at all, depending on how big they are and what the setup is, but for the most part, like once they get roots into the water, you really don't have to water them anymore just to to keep Ooh. them alive, so it becomes a very uh. Yeah,
1: yeah. You only need to water the soil just to maintain moisture, so it's not like a brick, right? You just have to you know, water them every, you know, every one to two weeks, or you know, depends it depends how big they are. If they're late in flowers, sometimes you have to keep that a little bit more moist. Um, but you're just you're only maintaining moisture or or top feeding if you have to top feed with a nutrient. Yeah.
2: Right. Ideally, that that's definitely the case, and the only thing I would say is that even when that doesn't happen, that plant's still not going to die. Whereas if you have a malfunction on a, like, let's say you're just using a, a drip line or something like that to be able to water a plant, like it's not going to get water for days at a time and start showing symptoms before you, you even see it. Um, whereas you get a lot much larger, uh, window to be able to actually take action in aquaponics. I feel like you can, <clears throat> especially if you're, have more free time to be able to do things like go around and check to make sure that you have a good, uh, soil, uh, moisture level in in each one because you're not going around managing watering every single plant. Um, you can go around and, and identify those areas. Like if you've got a clogged drip line or something like that, that is watering your dual root zone. Cause I do have, you know, just like Steve has a separate, um, watering system to water my dual root zone. So, separately from the input in my beds. It's just on a timer waters whenever I turn on the pump basically is is how my my system works. I know Steve has different setups, but essentially it's like a drip line uh, that goes to uh, the top of the dual root zone pot that keeps your soil moisture where you want it to be. Or maybe you're feeding uh, nutrients through that liquid directly to it. Maybe you're feeding a tea, or I've done uh, FPJs, like the one of my more popular indoor grows before I moved here, where I grew, you know, some really bright colored cookies, and it came out really well. It was all fed through, you know, liquid uh, FPJ nutrients, essentially, uh, to the dual rhizome, and that's the only supplement that it had the entire time. So there are a number of different ways that you can manage it. But the, the point being, when you're doing it in aquaponics this way you spend so much less time managing the water just to keep your plants alive um that you you're freed up to do things that are much more beneficial uh so it it just i just feel like it's a huge benefit in doing um whether it's aquaponics or dual root zone aquaponics or or anything else that uh it's one of the big reasons why i want to do aquaponics in the first place it's just not having to constantly worry about watering my plants. Watering and weeding, those are the two things that drove me away from traditional gardening, I would say. Um, So those are drastically cut down uh, by doing aquaponics and a number of different methods. But dual specifically, I feel like it's very forgiving in that even if you did let that soil break out and go completely dry, that plant's not going to die and it's still going to finish. Whereas in a commercial you know like a blue mat setup if you've got a blue mat that is malfunctioning you know that's gonna probably cause issues that will be much more obvious at final harvest that's just my opinion after doing it pretty much as many ways as i can find
1: <laughs> so with this vertical top out style manifold Um, It works really well for automatically purging air, preventing venturis and allowing for very accurate dosing. It doesn't matter if you're doing soil, living soil, cocoa, aquaponics. When you need to have accurate water dosing, this is the best manifold design. Uh, We've tested over 30 different ones with myself and Robbie back at the aquaponics source. And this is the one that we settled on. Man, does it work well. So this is what we use at all of our commercial operations now. But this is the best, you know, kind of gives you the idea where you fill it up. From below, from a, a tank, pumps up through here, and you set it on a seconds timer so the water can flow. Sorry, I'm pointing at it and you guys can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, let me use the mouse here. So the the water flows up from your holding tank up through here and then up through the top outs down into your 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 pots. Uh, and but because they're all level uh, across the whole row with one venturi uh, air pop out at the top that loops down on a t back to the main reservoir just in case you happen to flow overflow uh, well, as soon as you shut that pump off it's going to automatically pull, pull air and immediately air break all of these uh, as they break out and you can run lines down to your plants with your normal spigots mm-hmm. or whatever else that you want to put on there but this is the main manifold um, that the design that we found works extremely well and we can get within just a few milliliters of dosage between this plant and the plant you know 200 plants down. Uh, and have very little variation. So when we're doing things like dual root zone, where we're trying to get specific amounts for top watering uh, and across many, many numbers of different plants and in an automated uh, method, this really is the best way. And what's nice about this is you can use one inch, half inch, two inch plumbing, whatever whatever it is you wanna do uh, with this design. And you can run things like purely organic nutrients. You don't have to worry about line clogging and all the rest of it, like you do with some other methods. So, um, because you can scale this up to larger diameter plumbing.
2: Yeah, that, that's really a great way to solve a problem that I feel like anybody who's done a significant amount of drip lining or anything else, um, you know, at some point you're going to run into uneven distribution once you get to a certain size. So that's, thanks for sharing that. And
0: everything just, sorry, I had my mic off, but uh, the, the solution just uh, drains back to the bottom. So that's how you get.
1: Yep. And because we're not running anything that's not fish safe, it doesn't matter even if I happen to overrun it too much uh, by accident. Um, we try to dose about 50% of the saturation rate of the soil, but if I happen to overshoot it, no big deal. We're not using anything that's going to hurt the fish anyway. So, and speaking, like of that,
0: man. That
1: speaking of stuff that doesn't hurt the fish, uh, Brendan Rust actually has a super awesome uh, bokashi. Uh, a uh, spot out here in Oklahoma do you want to tell us a little bit more about that you got all kinds of wonderful things for regenerative growers there
3: yeah so I have my office out here and I mainly just use it um, for doing my manufacturing for the microbes um, doing uh, filling orders for sending out packages and uh, doing like you know uh, packaging up like mineral amendments but Bokashi's Bokashi Earthworks is, you know, mainly focused on uh, microbial inoculants, um, mineral amendments, and I'll be working on some other stuff too, just to help people that aren't familiar with um, the type of style that I do, that aren't familiar with, um, you know, modified growing mixes or living soil systems. Uh, and i'll be working with nasa agritech to bring some things to market some uh, carbon-based fertilizers that they actually have some synthetic in it like they use hydrolysis so they use like a mineral appetite and they use hydrolysis to extract uh, all of the the elemental molecules from the mineral that way they can attach it to uh carbo uh, carb, carbo uh, carbolic acid carbo lactic acid sorry it's a uh, cooh it's a uh, carbon two oxygens and a hydrogen and it's basically like pure fulvic acid and so they're able to uh, molecularly attach all of the elements all the um, macro and micro elements to this to these carbon chains these pure carbon chains to keep them basically as a uh, transport system so that way they never fall out of solution one of the things that i think is really difficult to understand is the chemistry that happens in any of these systems um, with uh, re-oxidation and redox potentials the way that things uh elements actually change their form and become available or unavailable the plants and using this carbon-based technology all the elements stay in a molecularly available form so it's available from on metabolic demand either when the root comes in contact through it through um inception either through mass flow or through diffusion it's it's just always available for uptake and it stays in the soil so the really cool thing about this particular fertilizer is that you only need to use it maybe three or four times throughout an entire cycle and that's um in agriculture crops the 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 gentleman that i'm working with dr george caltiz he's a you know he's a Korean War veteran. He worked as the and he worked as the uh, lead engin- the engineering director on the Apollo missions that helped get um, launch the Apollo missions to the moon. And then he worked in the agriculture sector. He used this fertilizer to increase the rice protein content from six to eleven percent, and then doubled the yields. Uh, I used some of this fertilizer in my R&D box and it made my plants look like they were made out of plastic. So it was pretty exciting. Um, That's, it's going to be one of those things because, you know, the way that I do my cultivation is I test the soil, I do saturated paste and then I'll do tissue and sap testing um, occasionally as well. And I'll use the mineral amendments to, you know, keep sufficient amount of nutrient in there and also keep it balanced. And it's, this can be really difficult, take a lot of knowledge and years of experience to kind of get this done. And so having a step where someone can transition from, you know, maybe a completely synthetic uh, method and kind of transitioning by using a fertilizer, that's only like one part, you know, for veg and then one part for, for bloom. So, um, that I'm going to be bringing to market and, you know, it's really to be for mainstream agriculture, right? Because we're still on a petrochemical fertilizers here in America. And it's not like that in a lot of other countries, it's not like that in China. Um, Mexico's transitioning over to this carbon-based fertilizer. And so the the real play is the agriculture sector because we have so much agronomic soils that are uh, really not sufficient for high-yielding, high-protein crops. And so being able to add carbon and increase the biology with this type of fertilization um, has a massive benefit. And can help people who are using conventional methods kind of transition and um, reevaluate their farming practices. So they could use this as they do a conventional fertilizer and then kind of, um, you know, it'll help them understand a little bit more about why this is important. You know, increasing soil carbon, increasing uh, the soil biology being able to keep things in an available form, just the things that go along with it. And then also doing, you know, crop covers and just proper land management to help with the, you know, the, the problem that we have is really comes down to energy. Um, we have 8.2 billion people. So uh, there's a lot of people to feed. And this is one of the ways that it's, I think going going to happen in the future. Um, one of the, another products is because this is a carbon-based fertilizer, when you take away the liquid, you can make solids out of it. Um, what they've developed is a compostable nutrient pot. So the pot is completely made out of this organic uh, carbon-based fertilizer. And the significance of this is that it increases the, 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 the area in which the root is actually in contact with an available source of nutrition. One of the biggest drawbacks for fertilization is that, I'm going to give you an example. If you have um, a 10 10 10 NPK type product, right? Even if, if it has things, you know, all your micronutrients and things like calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. That 10%, let's say that nitrogen, that 10% of that nitrogen, let's say this is just a conventional fertilizer. Only 10% of that fertilizer is going to be available once it actually gets into the soil. Um, And that's because of the chemical reactions that take place. Not only that, but only 2% of that 10% is going to actually come in contact with this with the root surface area so these things are really really insufficient um when you're able to increase the surface area of the root um by having it being you know present against its its source of nutrition that's going to aid in the uh the productivity of those those plants. So, not only that, but it can decrease labor costs. So, if you have a pot that's made out of uh, fertilizer, and you go and you know, in my case, transplant it into a grassroots fabric bed, I'm not going to have to disturb the root during transplant where I have to flip over a pot, um, you know, dig things out. I literally just put the whole thing in the soil system. That pot is going to decompose break down all that nutrient and it's going to be available and get it through its vegetative cycle. That's what it's meant to do. Um, have enough nutrition at the root zone to get it through an entire veg cycle. And then you can address the nutritional needs when you flip. So those are two of the products that are going to be, uh, that I'm going to be distributing here soon.
1: Sweet, I'll definitely look forward to learning more about that stuff for sure. Uh, speaking of those types of things, I know uh, Josh has um, got a bunch of new microbes and stuff that he's been working on uh, that would complement those very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, sorry, taking another dab.
1: I seem to always pick when you're dabbing
0: by by accident. Oh, <laughs> man, it's great dosage. I got this great biscotti. It's fucking delicious.
2: That's his secret. He's always dabbed.
0: I'm always dabbed. That's why I can only make half sense. Yeah, my homie Nick with the rooted leaf hit me up. Um, it was kind of a it was kind of a slow process, but 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 essentially that between his company and, and myself, we came out with a series of uh, microbial inoculants, a soil conditioner, <laughs> saponin tea, um, and a liquid Bacillus um, that we've kind of done a soft launch with, and we're just kind of, we knew it was going to take us a second to work through some, some kinks. So we're we're working through those, but, um, and we, we sold some, some, dropped some stuff off and we're going to be sending out some samples to friends, um, that they can fuck with, but it's just kind of like, uh, it's, it's similar to the, 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 to what I, I see Brandon doing. And I don't really know all the details of what you're doing, but I see that you're offering like a lot of, a lot of stuff where people can work it out on their own, you know, and take the base products and supplement as needed. Um, this is more just, it's more biological, you know? So we had, the, 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 on the basis of the, the microbiota, it's a simple powdered lactobacillus. Um, it's food grade, I mean, simple, but it's food grade and it's super high counts per whatever it's, it's just, you know, super nice stuff. Um, it's, from what the research that Nick has done, it's, it's, um, has the highest counts of, of, you know, on the market and it's not something he's making. It's something he's sourcing. So, um, yeah. And then the, the, the biostimulant I'm really stoked on it's, it's a matcha and and Peruvian cacao. Um, and it's got coconut sugar in it as well. And it's just, it's a booster for the, for the same, for those microbes, get them going. And then the, the the saponin tea, I don't know if you guys have fucked with that that at all. Different types of saponins. It's it's a this this one is a mix. Um, we wanted to you can't and you can't fuck with this. I know Steve's just itching to say, do not put saponins in with your fish. It will one hundred percent kill your fish systems. But um, it, it used in different ways. It, it adds a lot of lot of oxygen oxygen and, and surface area to your to your um root zone to your soil excuse me but it also the, the the some of the products we use build fungi right so it's not just saponins like soap nuts but the licorice root actually feed the fungi and and build up that that fungi population which is is what we're after in a, in a cannabis situation we're after after in my opinion higher fungal loads than, than bacterial loads um which is
3: i try you know what i I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. And one of the things that I always think about is that when you see something like fungi, right? And it's visual visual and you're saying, oh, look, I have a fungal dominant uh, soil. I feel like if we were counting actual cells, that no matter what, that bacteria will always be dominant because there's no bites yeah the endophytes inside the fungi that work on the fungal filaments i think that like if you're seeing massive blooms in fungal growth that the bacteria is just as if not more numerous in those those types of systems
4: for
0: sure for i mean for sure the bacteria is everywhere the, the fungi is i think that the concept is that you know is that you're t- you're you're thinking about and maybe it's a language thing but you're thinking you know I'm thinking about soil coming from transition from desert to you know old growth forest and along that transition you go from highly only bacteria cuz cuz when you just sterilize something the first urban. thing to come back is the bacteria and then the fungi takes a lot longer process so i think it's more speaking to the 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 you know the advanced the advanced the more advanced system right you can I think the, the fuel
3: source for all of these different populations, whether it's bacteria or fungi is, is carbon. It's definitely carbon, carbon. When I look at, you know, the amount of organic matter in soil, the reason why I look at that is because the carbon is energy, right? That is the energy potential that you have inside your, inside your soil because carbon has the ability to bond to, and interact with hydrogen and oxygen h2o to create like all these different
0: uh, yeah of- no no 100% i mean the way elaine taught it, taught taught it to me to us or whatever it was you know uh, n to or i'm going to mess it up nitrogen to carbon and bacterial to fungi you know same same right now the, the nitrogen, are, are the bacteria, the higher the bacteria, the more nitrogen you have in the system, and the, the more carbon, the higher fungal loads you're going to have in the system.
1: I think it's cool that you have a powdered lactobacillus product to further complement uh, people's traditional production as well. You know, adding and diversifying your lacto is never a bad thing. Be it with Bokashi, a yeah. uh, Lactobacillus, or air collected with KNF, the more different types you can combine together into your collection,
0: the better results you'll have. And 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 the more stuff, but also you don't you don't want to overload, you know. Like I wouldn't want to just be dumping and dumping over and over um, Lactobacillus, right? Well,
1: like if you're well, how I do it is I, I build a a single culture and I'll add species to that but what survives survives, right? If it doesn't make it to the next round, like it doesn't make it to the next round and it wasn't, you know, strong enough to survive. Right. So uh, I love combining kefir, bokashi, um, and and other lactobacillus sources, I think. And not only that, but it translates into a wider range of vitamin B complex, which helps your plant's growth.
3: You, you can also change the chemical makeup of the, the starting material that you're using to culture these microbes um and that will have an effect on what lives and what doesn't because some things are more selective in the elements that they need i know that for the pseudomonas bacteria since they have four different modes of metabolism you can pretty much put any type of like, I'll put things like iron sulfate, calcium, magnesium, other elements, for humic and fulvic acids when I'm culturing, like, the, uh, the trichoderma and the bacillus subtilis together, and I see greater efficacy when I add in, um, you know, different uh, substrates for them to feed on as opposed to just something like a molasses, which is, a com- you know, the complex carbohydrate.
4: That's, that's
1: really interesting. I never thought about that. And that's often a question I've heard a lot about with people doing um, uh, Bokashi or um, uh, even IMO collection is, is, you know, Uh, traditionally with at least master Cho's teachings they teach with rice but I know uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham is talking about using oats and and North American uh, species uh, having a a possibly better effect and then I've also heard you know with Jadam they use the potato starch so um, you know it it is kind of interesting to see the diversity in the in the carbohydrates like just like you're saying.
3: They'll culture different microbes on different types of substrate and the reason why is because the carbon ratio of those substrates are different and then the mineral makeup of them you know the way that i see it is like if you think about a lot of these like cellulose you know it's a crystalline structure and i like to think of it as like a zipper right and as you're breaking that breaking that Uh, those bonds it's like unzipping the zipper and so you're releasing the carbon you're releasing the hydrogen or you're releasing the oxygen and then all the other molecules that make it like the nitrogen right so there's all these you know if you're breaking down a more complex compound that has more available elements in it and it's not just something like maybe uh, carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen it has iron in there, manganese, you know, you're going to get a different type of microorganism that's going to, that's going to utilize those elements. And then also you have to remember too, that plants and microbes are competing for the exact same elements too, continually, always.
1: Uh, so you you do a lot of um, uh, both of you uh, Josh and and Brendan do a lot of beds uh, and you know living soil permanent living soil beds. Uh, what advice do you guys have uh, both of you uh, as far as things that maybe worked and didn't work since you guys have had a lot more experience than the rest of the panel? Uh, I'd love to ask both of you that that question. I know Josh, you do quite a quite a bit more companion planting than I think Brendan does. Um, uh, what are some of the different things that maybe you found worked or didn't work? Or what, what, is there any other um, kind of unique things about your methodology that, that you think uh, might be good knowledge to, to pass on? And Josh, you're muted.
0: I was gonna say like, what I do is, is a little bit different in that, you know, you can even tell like, uh, Brandon's, Brandon's knowledge of the science it goes deeper than mine because in a lot of, I mean, in a lot of ways I don't have to rely on it, I guess, because of my system design um, in that, like uh, it, from when, and I'm just judging on, you know, so Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I see is you're growing in containers or in, in um, container beds where my, my system is direct into the earth. So I get a lot of forgiveness in my fuck ups is I guess what I'm trying to say. I don't have to be as smart. I don't have to you know what i mean because there's 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 just, just the natural system is down in there there's plenty of minerals um si- similar to when like marty was talking about you know like if the if the blue map fails i re- i really don't see it as much you know like if the blue map fails and i get a a, a flood i'll see that but if i if it fails and i'm and it's not watering enough um I don't necessarily see it until the end of the cycle where I'm looking at yield, you know, or maybe I get into week four or five and I kind of notice, oh, well, something, these ones right here are a little bit smaller, um, you know, so, so that, that's just, I don't know, just one difference in that I was thinking, I don't know, better or worse or whatever. I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by what Brandon does, those pictures, um, they look pretty sweet, especially those bickets, man. When, I, when I'm looking at a plant that I'm growing and and, and know, know pretty well and watching him crush them, you know, I'm definitely intrigued about what what's going on over there. Um, but, 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 but to answer the question more specifically, I do like my system being connected to the ground and it requires me to have a heated root zone, you know, where like you can, other, other folks can be raised up and do like raised beds that connect and I have to be, I'm connected to the ground and I have um, those heated pipes in there that allow me to do that, the radiant um, radiant tech. And so that allows me to push the root zone. You know, I actually push my root zone up into uh, 78, 82 um, this time of year. And I can really see just the difference. But, you know, you know if I go down to 72 but versus being up into 78, 82, um, the plants really fucking love it this time of year.
3: Yeah, if you can get away with having a healthy biome that doesn't facilitate any pathogens and you can keep your root zone in those higher temperatures with a little more moisture, the biology is going to cycle a lot faster, right? It's going to break down organic matter. The enzyme production of that soil is going to be higher. If you think about it like the way that you would cultivate you know mushrooms you usually have like or if you're cultivating something like that you're usually working in a really humid warm environment the soil loves that so it really really helps with with um, nutrient cycling the breakdown of organic matter it's just like I know that if I was like indoor and you start getting your soil temperature that hot it affects like the humidity and the temperature i mean usually if you're indoor right it's like the only way you're going to get that is if you increase your temperature and humidity in the room and that's not always conducive you know depending on what time of flowering you're at but i definitely see the relation with the higher temperatures in the root zones
0: yeah it's fucking beautiful man and and that's actually a a question i was going to ask you um I, you know, I, I, I come, I've come from indoor growing and in, in the last whatever years been in the greenhouse and the system that, that has a little bit more ebb and float than like a concrete bottomed greenhouse, you know, um, what, where do you keep your, it sounds like a basic question. I'll get to, to why I'm asking in a second, but where, where, where do you keep your VPD? Like where are you at at night, uh, temperature and humidity, where are you at day temperature and humidity in your greenhouse? What are your thresholds?
3: Well, I try to keep, look at it's greenhouses in Oklahoma. It's difficult, right? Because we're not super consistent with the weather, but I try to keep in the summertime, there's like, you know, what can you do? It's going to get hot. So I try to keep my nighttime temperatures consistently warm too, because what happens is when it's warm and humid in summer in Oklahoma, you still have to run your heaters. Even if it's already hot at night, right? Because you have to mitigate some of that humidity. Um, so it just kind of depends on the outside weather, dude. You have to be prepared to make adjustments on a dime because you might be have a nice dry day. It's warm, but your you know your RH in your greenhouse is sixty percent, right where you want it. Uh, but then it fucking rains, right? okay, well, now I'm going to have to f- figure out a way to mitigate this humidity in these greenhouses because, you know, the, the de-hues can't handle the – it just can't handle it, right? Because you're it, – it's just no. different from indoor. You know what I mean? So you have to, you have to be able to make those adjustments. My, I like to run my – in any setting, I like to run my veg at around 70, 75 RH – and between 78 and 84 temperature and then for my flowering typically i like to run those same temperatures all the way until week three week four but when i start to get heavier set on flowers i like to drop that rh down
0: how far that's 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 where that's exactly where i've been running my stuff too uh, you know oh, I, the oh, reason okay. i was at, the reason i was asking is because i was uh i just got three and in dehums into my system and, and I've been struggling to keep low enough to humid, humid uh dehum enough without without having any any mechanical. So I got these three units and it's working really nice. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, it's way too dry in the day. You know, so now I gotta start fucking with this shit. You know, right? A little bit. Yeah, dude,
3: it's 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 weird because like we'll have to set our heaters to certain temperatures depending on what time of year it is dehues are like pretty much always running in our in our greenhouses right some of the ways that you can also mitigate some of that uh, extra humidity is by pruning right anything that's receiving less than i think it's like three or four hundred ppfd you know is going to transpire but it's not going to be photosynthesizing right so it's it's taking energy and it's creating more atmospheric water vapor sure Um, and so if you take that off you're going to eliminate that wasted energy and then also that that transpiration that's that's coming from those lowers so I know keeping the 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 plants pruned up can help mitigate some of that humidity as well but dude it can be difficult too especially if you're running these living soil systems right because when your plants are starting to release co2 at nighttime right and then your soil is also off gassing and it's off gassing because of all the biology right and so you have two different um systems right inside of a single system that are both releasing uh you know, something into the atmosphere that's gonna create more humidity.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that in Oklahoma, the only time I've seen it have kind of, um, not a ton of problems with the climate control was when we had uh, subterranean, uh, on underground uh, systems so we do a lot of um, geothermal it, couldn't, it took me a minute Blah, sorry smoked some good hash earlier um, to, to remember uh, uh, some running the underground piping uh, and doing it that way the geothermal it really helps in the summertime with the air conditioning as well as that cooler air kind of helping dry stuff out a little you know a little bit more than the rest but uh, if you're ever doing new uh, infrastructure new construction definitely do the uh the geothermal uh, as deep as you can. But again, Oklahoma has pretty high water tables as well, which is also a problem, especially when it floods. So it's like, kind of tricky. You gotta make sure you always have a deep well. Uh, You can actually get footer uh, fittings. Um, What's the name of the company? Um, A a couple of different companies that do these uh, underground cistern uh, fittings. It looks like a giant boot. Um, uh, that you can get, it's a plastic housing, and then you can get a regular well pump or even a big aquarium uh, uh, a pump or, or large pond pump that's submersible, stick it down on the bottom of it and pump out the bottom if you have to uh, in an emergency or even just a regular sump pump. Um, but we, typically we'd use those with those those well pumps that work really well.
3: Yeah, I think right now in Oklahoma for greenhouse growers, since it's cooler, right from like I'd say November all the way until it starts getting warm again is like the best season for greenhouses because it's nice and cool and it's dry for the most part.
0: Nice.
1: The other thing that you can do is hydronic cooling. We we did this in a couple places in Colorado and I'm I'm sure you could do it out here in Oklahoma. Is In Oklahoma and Texas, the groundwater is very cold underground and what you can do is you can pump that water up, pump it through your system and then pump it back down uh, underground and back into your Your, um, you know, aquifer, and you can just recirculate that cold water uh, through the basically your slab on the bottom, or even through a a heat exchanger, and you can actually use that to chill the water uh, at a much, much more energy efficient rate or or cost effective rate than just about anything else. Uh, And and you can use those methods to to cool down the system quite a bit. Um, With, uh, we actually had to do this at a, a place called Vertica. Uh, out in um, eastern Oklahoma, we actually ran a whole bunch of coils in the beds of their DWCs, and then underground, where we buried them uh, with uh, twice as much uh, uh, footage. But you, typically, you'd want to aim for three or four. But um, they started off with a, a little lesser amount. Just it gets kind of expensive, especially with the uh, uh, current uh, pricing uh, these days with uh, transporting that much metal. Um, but um, buried those all underground with um, a little bit of layer of sand right around the piping to protect it and then buried it back underground and that helped of a lot of it off. There's also another grow that I worked with where they converted a pig house and to cool the water systems uh, is on the border with uh, Oklahoma and Arkansas but to cool the water in those systems they ran it to they they had a, a super deep water pond that would have for water treatment that would then go on to the pig farms well um, uh, I forget what the depth was 12 or 14 feet deep they sunk a deep, deep coil in there as a heat exchanger to cool down the water that was flowing through the beds that then ran through the grow beds and the DWC beds and the fish tanks to act as a heat exchanger to cool that down. And that worked very efficiently as well. So there are ways that you can do that using, you know, water to water heat transfer as well. Water transfers heat much better, especially for heating. Um, we used to do that as well in Colorado, heating grow beds uh, via the water uh, using a closed water um, uh, closed loop um, uh, tankless water heater and uh, gas or propane. So you can run them off grid if you wanted to, uh, and then run that on a closed loop to heat your fish tanks and your, your grow beds and your, uh, your sump tanks. And this would allow that, that heat off that water to heat your whole greenhouse, uh, which was super, super efficient. As long as you had a DQ, uh, to knock the humidity down now and then much, much cheaper than, than running gas heat.
3: Hey guys, just kind of getting late. I'm going to, um, I'm gonna sign off. Appreciate you guys having me on here and I'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Appreciate you ha- coming on, man. And uh, why don't you tell everybody how to, uh, to find you. actually pulled up your, uh, your thing here uh, one last time. I was gonna ask you about this one last picture, but uh, if you don't- Yes, like- that's
3: today. So I've been doing some um, R&D with that fertilizer with, that was developed by uh, NASA Agritech. And one of the things that I keep seeing is the biology is just taking off even in a system like this, which is rockwool, which is pretty incredible. Um, I've never seen mushrooms growing out of rockwool before. Uh, so I'm seeing some pretty uh, amazing things with this, with, these, with this new product that I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, I was totally blown away by that. I just wanted to, to give you some credit and show that off because I just thought that was too badass, man. Uh, and then I also wanted to uh, just mention, here's how you find more about Brennan uh, if you want to check out his website. And then how else can people find you, man? And then also yeah, just- you're speaking tomorrow as well uh, at uh, the Impervious Conference. Here's the link to the website, imperviousexpo.com if you want more info to go see him tomorrow. You believe you're speaking at noon.
3: Uh, 115. Yeah. Target nutritional levels for cannabis and then maintaining, uh, sufficiency and balance in these living soil systems. I'm going to be talking about that. I have a booth, uh, let's see, booth number 425 Bokashi earthworks. And then, um, you can, if you guys aren't familiar, the listeners, they can find me on Instagram at rust, R-U-S-T dot Brandon, B-R-A and D-O-N. And there's a link in my bio for Bokashi earthworks, my website and for Black Label Organics, which is the farm. And awesome. you can always buy swag if you don't need, uh, if you don't need nutrient.
1: Dude, who doesn't want awesome socks? Like that is the thing that we need more of. Like,
3: Dude, it, it was body. just kind of a novelty thing. I mean, they're expensive to have made, so I didn't really expect people to buy them, but it's cool. They're on there. It's like one of those things that you might get for a Christmas gift or something.
0: But now you got a whole bunch of your own socks to wear, which is the best part of doing this stuff.
3: Yeah. And here's the thing, right? So these t-shirts that, um, that, that I have, I actually almost exclusively wear this because the material that it's made out of is so nice. And like, it feels like so good. It's really lightweight they're excellent. Those are really nice shirts. I really like them a lot.
2: Awesome.
3: Now I'll be doing. I'll be doing another drop in about four weeks. Sweet. Seed drop. They always sell out.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Okay.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. So Later. Um,
1: I also have. Uh... I pulled up Josh's website, just in case anyone wants more info on that. Let me pull it up here. There we go. Um, So this is the, uh, I'll actually, I'll let Josh talk about
0: it. You know, one thing I I didn't talk about that's uh, pretty cool, um, you know, with all the uh, travel and everything being more expensive, I I had to bump up the, the ticket cost um for the this round and so i was trying to come up with ways to build in value and one idea that i had was what if we could offer um seeds with every ticket purchase and i was i'm trying to work out the nft kind of concept on it but um i i had some cool seeds gifted to me from kevin jodri they were uh root beer cross chemdog special reserve um the seeds were made by mean Jean from Mendocino. Um, it was the same, the, the Kim Dog special reserve is the same male that, um, was used in the black lime reserve cross and, uh, the Chem dog, his her sister won, won, a, won an Emerald cup. It's, you know, a really strong, um, star dog line essentially. And then, and then obviously with Jackson's root beer, which is a affy uh, mix up with a headband and, um, couple other things and um, so anyways I was gifted these seeds and ran them this year and it was it's been like I was saying earlier it's been a really really wet and early year and a lot of stuff failed and this was one of the things that made it through and it made it through really well um, in fact I just pulled it down like a week or two ago so um, with every per- with the purchase of every ticket I- I'm going to include the f2 on this uh, pack of f2 seeds which is pretty fucking epic uh if you if you if you realize that um the root beer was wasn't released until even this time you know last year folks have been waiting on it um and this is when you get to f2 it's a pretty fucking um direct direct uh you know light you know look you're looking right into the grandparents so you're going to see the star dog you're going to see the the root beer you're going to see the headband in there you're going to see a bunch of fucking cool stuff in these f2s um so uh truth be told i honestly think that the cost of the ticket is worth the seeds alone you know if, if you didn't even come to the conference and just got the seeds it would be worth it like uh for, for 450 bucks um it's uh yeah, they're pretty pretty cool deal. And so the other thing I'm we, we, that I'm going to offer is that, that's, that's out of f- something that I, that I remade uh, with seeds that, from my friends, um, but my, I have a, a breeding company called House of Selections with my friend Nick Risden. He's Lime Rising Nick on Instagram, and uh, to for to the first fifty people from each uh, location that buy tickets, we're going to throw in a pack of our House of Selection seeds. Um, we haven't decided which pack it'll be yet, but um, yeah. So I'm just trying to trying to build some value into it. And, um, and, and with the, with the root beer, I'm sorry to kind of go back to, with, to the root beer Chemdog special reserve. I'm calling it the Soto lines um, kinda, kind of, kind of a play on, on soda, you know, the root beer soda pop, because the root beer is really a cola soda pop flavor, sarsaparilla um, anise type flavor. Um, and then that I made the selection up here in Washington, um, where I used to live was in Soto or South of downtown Seattle. Uh, that's where the, yeah, the Mariners play, you know, you might see if you've ever seen the Mariners jerseys They'll say Soto it's, it's where the stadium is so South of downtown in Seattle. And so I just kind of was making that play on it. Then I made the selection up here in our hard, obvious, uh, wet weather patterns, um, and so uh, we're going to do a breeding project out of it with with everybody that comes to the conference. I expect about 200 people, 250 people to each uh, location. And so each person's going to get a pack of these seeds. Um, and so that'll be about 800 to 1,000 people that get these seeds. And um, we're going to do by region breeding project. And we're going to direct everybody to a Discord where they can upload testing pictures, and we can do some polls. And as a group, we can select which are the, 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 the cuts, the phenotypes that we want to work forward with, uh, as a group. And, and then we can breed those out. And then, um, here's where the NFT portion comes in, is that, that it's going to take me some time to mint this thing and make it happen because it, it actually costs a lot of money to, to set up a proper NFTs from what I've learned, uh, with proper smart contracts, but, um, uh, I'll get it on the back end and what 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 could happen is once we make our selections and we put that into the market, all that money that is generated from the sale of those genetics can be can go directly back to the to the purchasers of the seeds or the purchasers of the tickets. So it could be really uh, a, you can you could end up making more money on the on the purchase of this ticket than you you uh, spent. For instance, if, we, we have a, a, a pick, uh, you know, in, in the Western, Western Hemisphere out of the Humboldt Conference. We have 200 people and we, we make a pick and we sell a thousand packs at 200 bucks. Um, what's the math? What's the math on that? Two hundred thousand dollars. Back into 200 people is like a thousand dollars a person. Right. Boom. You just doubled your money. And that's a real, that's a, that's honestly a real thing that could happen with this, uh, in my mind, um, I got to, to build the technology and, and do that proper, but, but in reality, like a group breeding project like that, I think is really worth uh, a $200 pack of seeds done well, you know, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's what I'm working on the back end of this to uh, really build and to build something cool and fun that we can all do together. And if it's not worth anything that it's not worth anything, you know, it was a cool, cool ass thing we all got to participate in, you know, um, it's really, I'm, I'm just trying to build some value into this conference, which is an educational thing, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely interesting. A lot of people have talked about nfts and stuff like that so i think it'll be an interesting way to blend them all together and then also a super cool way for people to you know come out and get their seeds and uh um you know kind of uh, add extra value excuse me add extra value to the people that supported early on so, awesome um and then uh, uh anything else you wanted to mention uh, if not i think we're going to start to to wrap it up
0: um no i think um i think i'm i don't know i think i got it how do people find out
1: how do people find out about your uh conference here i have the website up uh i'll throw it back up here on the screen and how else do they find out about your uh your microbes and your other stuff that you're uh you got going now so yes you go
0: to regenerativeorganiccannabis.com we'll get you to the the tickets um, or you can go to, uh, regenerative, uh, seeds.com. We'll get you to, uh, my seed bank that also has, um, a, the gardening tools, um, link in there that you can link to and, um, check out all the microbes and we'll be adding more stuff to that, that department, um, and adding more breeders, uh, as we go. And so, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for letting me come on and, and kind of talk about all this, um, it's, it's really important to me. And I think really important for our community um, to do these conferences and to have these, 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 uh, you know, cause like uh, you know, and just to, just to say to you, Steve, like, like a thank you to you for you putting on the, the, this conference this weekend. And I got to participate also in a conference um, a couple weekends ago with you, the Aquaponics Association conference. And it it's like fucking really beautiful, but um the even though we get to bring all these cool speakers and do all this cool this like the the biggest part of it to me is really the connection with the people uh when we get to get together and 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 share bowls and break bread um and share weed and share genetics like it it is like it's different it's different it's really really cool and and like i i've literally started my, my my breeding company off the shared seeds from from these conferences um I, it's, I just can't say enough about it. It's, it's been a very cool experience in my life, you know.
1: The, um, I definitely think that, uh, uh, you know, the,
0: certainly the thing
1: that I always tell people is, look, you're going to learn more at, at Josh's conference in one week, and then you have it, uh, you know, a couple of years worth of, uh, you know, normal uh, industry expos, Uh, where they have tons of booths and a couple of speakers to get people in the door, which you see a lot of the other expos being, this one really is just, what's cool about the, the Regenerative Conference is everyone there has been growing a long time and has a really good understanding of, of all different levels of cultivation. So you can have really intelligent conversations or ask really intelligent questions or really you know in-depth questions or questions that like are normally way above the normal kind of um, a- access that you'd have in terms of educated speakers that can answer some of these highly complex questions. Uh, and it really is uh, the, the place to come together that, I don't know, it's almost like a, uh, I don't know, a club or something uh, uh, in a different kind of way.
0: It's been really cool. <clears throat> um, Callahan is asking on, on uh, IG about the, the Roberts Creek Congo. He said Stevens Creek, but it's Roberts Creek Congo. Um, we'll probably have some more of those floating around, sir. Um, probably not in Humboldt, but, uh, you know, we'll make some stuff available as best we can.
1: We did have a question about, um, I believe it was like ocean salts or ocean nutrients. One person is the carbon based for, oh no, it was earlier. Hold on one second. There was one question I wanna answer before we totally wrap up the show. Where is it here? I promised him I would answer it and I am going to try Hold on, there's been a lot of chat.
4: We'll find it together. It was from uh, Indica Indicadogo it says, uh, so this is a carbon-based fertilizer. How's it made, high heat and what? No, 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 no. Not that was
1: Together we grow, asks Guy. Can you tell me anything about sea minerals and cannabis aquaponic growing is it beneficial? I know Josh and I both use it, which is why I wanted to mention it real quick. Um, you have to not use too much of it. You can definitely cause issues if you totally go crazy with it.
0: But in 1%. smaller
1: amounts, and when used as directed, it is very good.
0: Yeah, one percent for foliar, or if you're you're using soil, one um, percent seawater to regular water, and you can you can make that you know with salt water if you don't have access to seawater, um, or if your seawater is. Um, not good seawater like if you live in um san francisco or any outside of any big city let's say i'm just saying where there's a lot of pollutants and you're not getting a good tide in and out i probably wouldn't fuck with that shit you know i'd I'd look for a cleaner mineral source uh, being like i and there's a product that i really like called c90 that's pre-fukushima um salt and it's really nice and um, it's not that expensive and it, a little bit goes a long way. You know, I think I, I use, uh, I don't remember, it's like a, a pint, you know, a pint glass to a, a, a 50 gallon spray, spray red, you know?
1: Well, um, I wanted to mention real quick here at the end, um, we have uh, this weekend, the second annual virtual Alcapone cannabis conference. Uh, I'll be speaking, kicking things off in the morning. Uh, I think we're going to play the trailer here at maybe an hour early uh, that we recorded the other day that kind of gives a little bit of a short intro about all the different speakers. Uh, And then we have Sweetwater Aquaponics is going to be speaking to us live from South Africa. Symbiocid will be coming to us from Switzerland. Uh, Aquilitas is coming, coming to us from Canada. Dragonfly Earth Medicine will also be coming to us from Canada. Um, They're super awesome. Um, uh, Humboldt Genetics will be coming to us from Michigan. We have Lorenzo Frisella talking to us about living soil versus aquaponic uh, yield production. He did a lot of side-by-sides with a couple of different crops. uh, And he's gonna be breaking down the science of uh, living soil versus aquaponics. I think you guys are uh, regardless of how you feel or how you grow are gonna really learn a lot from his talk. It's very cool. Uh, We have Caleb from Copyleft Cultivars gonna be talking to us about Uh, copyleft and how that can apply to protecting uh, breeders' uh, rights as far as seeds and genetics. We have Chris Trump going to be talking to us about KNF. We have the commercial uh, cultivation panel with moderator Heavy Days of the podcast coming to us from Australia. We have Dr. Wilson Leonard uh, from Australia uh, after that. And then we have Dylan McAmmon from Saskatchewan, a really awesome Canadian aquaponic cannabis grower. If you're familiar with the Facebook group, uh, you've seen his pictures. Then we have Wendy Kornberg talking to us about all different types of living soil uh, methods. And then we have uh, Matthew Gates talking to us about pest management. Then on Sunday, we're gonna kick the day off with Breeder Steve, uh, the the first person to write about aquaponic cannabis. Uh, Then we're gonna transition into uh, Angela Tenenbrock at 9 a.m. Then Victor Labanoff coming to us from sweden he's going to be talking to us about uh, microbes and aquaponics uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, joe pate he's going to be giving us a us, us, uh, awesome talk about uh, minerals and nutrients and we, then we have um, uh, tanner stewart uh, talking to us about commercial aquaponic cannabis farming up in canada then we have josh rutherford uh, talking to us from uh, dutch blooms talking to us about his wonderful living soil aquaponic Um, uh, farm that he has, if you guys haven't seen it before, it really is probably the coolest living soil uh, aquaponic hybrid farm in anywhere in North America that I've seen. Uh, Then Kevin McKernan, uh, awesome uh, uh, geneticist, is gonna be talking to us about uh, a really awesome presentation on, on, uh, uh, on cannabis. And then we're going to talk to Rob Nash uh, from Austin aquaponics he's been doing three years of aquaponic hemp down in Texas, Clackamas Coot talking to us about uh, soil stuff. Uh, we got Dr Robert Faust talking to us about humic and fulvic acids, Murray Hallam from Australia. Uh, you know, a lot of people got their start with aquaponics through Murray Holland, then we have the homegrown panel with moderator Scotty Real the Duke Grow Show. Uh, so that'll be awesome at 7 o'clock. We got, next we have Jordan River, the, the Growcast, uh, uh, going to be a moderator for the Craft Grown panel. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then Marty Waddell is going to wrap it up. And then we're going to have a big giveaway at the end. We're going to have a full round of nutrients for up to 300-gallon system. Uh, we got uh, an SK403 from Spectrum King, brand new. Uh, and we have a full class from the virtu- the Aquaponic Cannabis Masterclass. Uh, that'll be given out at the end, and we have some other giveaways that we're going to sprinkle in during the the, uh, the conference. But um, the grand giveaway at the end uh, uh, of Sunday night. And if you you want to sign up, you can uh, head over to ap420.com and just sign up with your email. Um, and uh, totally for free, you don't have to do anything. It just basically allows us to email you uh, if we do any other aquaponic cannabis events in the future. Um, so you can find out about them uh, and to do that. Uh, and then we'll enter you into win the grand prize on, on Sunday. So definitely check that out. We're hoping to kind of give people ability to get up and running. So uh, um, what, how do people find you there, Marty? Uh, not Marty, a me. Sorry.
4: What else is going on, man? Uh, you know what? The other day we were playing game night and it was fun and it was just genuinely, honestly, stupidly fun. Fuck Yeah. Right. Sometimes we forget. that oh, yeah. You just like get together with your grown friends. And you just like play stupid shit. Win no idiot prizes.
1: Josh needs to come back. Everyone's already he
4: home. Was a lot of fun when he came. That... The
0: other... okay. I'm, I'm down muted. for another game night. I'm ready. For, I'm ready. Uh, you know, I I I, 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 I was the biggest loser. The first the, the game night that I showed
4: up. I It was I, admittedly a pretty hard trivia uh, session, <laughs> I have to be honest. Uh, West and slammed the table with everybody, but uh, a few people uh, went home crying. Clackamas Coot famously, uh, <laughs> you, uh, Ponics, I think, might have been the biggest loser once or twice as well. <laughs> it was a little bit savage, <laughs> but yeah. I have to be honest. Bringing up the <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, even that, even that. like Sometimes <laughs> just, man, I don't even know. My ego covers my growing or something. I don't know. Something. maybe just don't use the ego
1: how do people find out more about you and uh and your show's
4: just like it says on the table here, uh, look up, uh, we do podcasts and uh, all the shenanigans that we do actually, uh, uh, people have been uh, listening to us from uh, Turkey. Uh, can you believe that? Turkey and freaking Romania and all these cool places. Anyway, you guys could listen to us uh, Chronic Table over on uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Or I have a YouTube channel just like uh, Putin does here and we like to goof off over there uh, You know, pleasant, fun way, sort of in an educated way uh, over at Fumidor and the Flavors uh, is my YouTube channel. So you guys, go a- check it out.
1: There's a link to his YouTube and his social media here in the description as well. Same for Josh's stuff.
4: Cheers and welcome, folks.
1: I'm Brendan stuff. And uh, uh, Josh, what about you? One last time, how do people find you?
4: Uh,
1: for the
0: conferences, regenerativeorganiccannabis.com. Um, on on uh, social, I'm, I'm Dutch underscore Blooms. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me and where I post. Most um, and do the most content is there, um, yeah. I also have a, a, a YouTube space, so if you're curious, it's actually a good space. If you're curious about the conferences, you can go check out Regenerative Cannabis. That's my YouTube thing, um, and I have uh, videos from the last last few conferences up there. Um, so that's a good place to check out. And um, I also have the the Seed site um, where we had we were talking about the microbes and. Um, um inoculants that we have and that's regenerative seeds.com, so yeah thank you if, uh for someone asked real quick uh no the first 50 tickets are not sold from each event so hop on that and get the extra pack of seeds thank you guys
1: hell yeah and i'll be there bringing a bunch of seeds with me for uh for you guys definitely hit me up on the seed swap day Uh, You guys can find me on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all the things. Uh, I will be over on uh, Eagle Gardens after this show. Uh, So definitely check me out there. And uh, we will see you guys on Sunday morning, bright and early.